the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 474. When you think of the Bahamas, you think of white sand beaches, crystal blue water, and tropical weather. But on January 17th, 1977, a cold wave swept across Southern California and brought cold weather all the way to the Bahamas. So cold, in fact, that for the only time in recorded history, snow actually fell on the city of Freeport on the island of Grand Bahama. It didn't accumulate, but snowflakes did fall one time. Pretty cool. Lightning struck in an open plain And we forgot this old city's name See your breath on window pane Let's us talk till it strikes again On my way through I saw you on my way Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who's rocking some really, really cool sunglasses, who has done amazing things around the world and is only continuing to do that, some of them involving surfing in Costa Rica, free diving in the Bahamas, capoeira in Brazil, salsa in Colombia, and who told me, and this is, you're probably the only person in the world, Mike, who's ever told me this, who said, hey, I've got four days in between the Bahamas and Kenya. Why don't I come visit you in North Carolina? Uh, my good buddy and friend, Mike Savas. How you doing, bud? Oh, man, I'm so happy to be here. It's been a while coming. It's an honor to be on the podcast, and I miss you. I miss you too. We just hung out uh, when we were in Costa Rica. Guys, you know, if you've listened to the show that we were there January, February, March. Um, Mike is one of the people that if you're like, Hey, I'm here. And he says, yeah, I'm going to come down. Like he's coming <laughs> down. And, uh, and you did that and you came and we hung out together in Costa Rica. And, um, I, I mean that like when I got that WhatsApp message, cause I, we were talking, we talk real estate a lot, right? We'll p- to give people a little behind the scenes. We talk real estate. We might do some projects together. And I said, Oh, I found this cool building in North Carolina, man. And, and you said, well, what's it like? And, and, and can I come see it? And I said, well, what's your schedule? And you said, all right, I'm in the Bahamas till this date. And then four days later, I ship off to Kenya. Are you around? Can we make that work? And I just l- looked at it. I showed Heather and I just started laughing. I'm like, who else in our life has a four-day window between the Bahamas and Costa Rica? Uh, you. You. Yeah. yeah. So Pretty yeah. standard for me. I, I love little quick pop-ins. Although when I'm doing them, I, I regret them quite often. But in anticipation, there's nothing more exciting to me. Yeah, well, let's let's actually talk about why you are why you just were in the Bahamas, why you are currently in Miami. And when this comes out, you will actually be in Kenya. You're in the midst of a project that is one of the neatest projects I've ever heard of. And, you know, we're almost 500 episodes into this. So I've heard of a lot (laughs) of stuff. Um, And whenever I tell anyone, they they just look at me and say, like, that is awesome. I've never heard anyone say, oh, that's crazy. It's like, this is awesome. So 
Tell people about Month in the Making. Yeah. So th- this is a lifelong project that I've been planning probably for the last uh, uh, 10 to 12 years. And it got fast-tracked because of COVID. So I took it as a blessing in disguise. And uh, Month in the Making is a personal project that I branded uh, where I'm calling it a midlife awakening. I'm turning 40 next year. I'm 39 now. And it's an opportunity for me to learn 12 unique skill sets in 12 different countries over 12 months. So I'm going around the world, identifying things that I've always fantasized about, that I always dreamt of doing ever since I was a little kid, sort of the the, the Peter Pan dream, if you will. I wonder what it would be like to be a samurai. I wonder what it would be like to learn how to salsa dance. And I said, I'm going to go to each of these countries, identify a local master that the best in their skill and learn whatever I could in one month's time to see how good I could get. And, And more importantly, get an understanding of these subcultures and these micro communities around the world and how important it is. Um, to to uh, grow and immerse yourself in otherwise uh, difficult situations and new environments to see what kind of human you really are when put to the test. Let's let's run through the list of the things you're doing yes. because it when you say unique and varied, it is very unique and very varied. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're you've done four months, so we'll give everyone. Let's give everyone the four that you've done, and then. Talk about the ones that you'll be doing, because even when we last talked, you weren't exactly sure, you know, you're playing with a few of those. Well, look, things certainly things keep shifting, um, but but I take it all in stride. I started off surfing in Costa Rica. I thought that was manageable. It was great. Then I went directly to Colombia to do salsa dancing, um, fell in love with that activity. Uh, from there, I ended up in Brazil doing capoeira, which is a traditional Afro-Brazilian martial art form. And the Bahamas to do free diving was spontaneous. Uh, the goal was to go to Argentina to become a gaucho, aka a cowboy. Uh, but the border shut down two days before. I had to reroute and someone said, hey, I just met this guy guy in the Bahamas who's going to, who's a great free diving and uh, shark diving instructor. And you should go with him. I said, perfect. I'm flying to the Bahamas. Uh, so those four are done and dusted. Uh, we're releasing episode four, uh, sorry, uh, month four of YouTube episodes. Now, as we speak, my videographer is downstairs editing away. And um, next week I'll be heading to Kenya to be a conservation ranger, which is probably uh, the most exciting one for me, just because the amount of pre-approvals and special permission I had to get to, to partake in that. Um, and again, from there, it's all up in the air, but the, the tentative plan is becoming a chef in Italy. I'm a terrible cook. Anyone can vouch for that who's been around me. Um, solo sailing in France. So I have a buddy doing a cross-Atlantic sail on a, on a monohull. And uh, I can sail already, but I'm not that adept at it. So learning how to do like an individual solo sail. Uh, from there, either yoga in India treasure hunter in Egypt or somewhere in the Middle East, maybe Armenia. Um, and then a few months beyond that, heading to Southeast Asia, which is sort of the, the jewel um, for me in this whole project. And that's going to be, uh, get this one, a nomadic Mongol eagle hunter, uh, obviously through Mongolia on horseback. I'm told there's only a hundred of those guys left, uh, samurai warrior in Japan, and then some form of, of, of monk practice. Uh, there's a school called, I think it's called the School of the Five Shadows. So it sounds very Mortal Kombat-y and almost uh, Doctor Strange. And there's five different uh, sects like Taoism and Buddhism and uh, Shaolin. 
and you can select one in this school of the five shadows to immerse yourself in. Uh, and I thought that would be a nice month to end just sort of my, by, by myself secluded in, in China or Tibet, uh, maybe with no video cameras. And yeah, uh, you know, there are one or two that are still variable, uh, potentially paragliding or skydiving with the Red Bull Air Force, uh, maybe some mountaineering and rock climbing. And it kind of just depends on what the universe uh, presents, uh, my excitement levels, who the master is, and then, you know, what areas are open because of COVID and then other political reasons. Yeah, I mean, we should mention if you guys are listening while well in the future that Mike is doing this while COVID is, is, is still happening, while like a lot of the borders are shut down. And um, so adding just another wrinkle to, to or another obstacle to these challenges. And as you mentioned, like Argentina was supposed to be, you know, that was kind of set in stone for you. I remember talking about this well before you did it. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do Cowboy in Argentina. I'm like, That's, that sounds great. Makes great video. Boop. No, you're not. Oh, let me let me hop down to the Bahamas and do free diving. So that's the only one that I haven't got to talk to you about yet that mm-hmm. you've done because we've we've caught up in Costa Rica. I knew about your surfing um, and, and knew about salsa and capoeira because you had just finished that when you came back and hung out with me in Costa Rica. Yeah. So let's talk about free diving in the Bahamas, this kind of last minute. Oh, like, man. oh, I know someone who free dives. Come on. It was last minute for your videographer because you got to get an underwater videographer. So how did it all come together? And then let's just fill us in on this experience because well, pretty crazy. So, you know, in, for me doing an experience like this, I, I realized how important it is to have momentum. And what happened after um, Argentina got the kibosh is I went home to see family. And before I knew it, five or six week, weeks had passed and I didn't have another country lined up. I hadn't advanced every, anything. Um, so a, a buddy said, uh, who I expressed the concern to, he's like, look, I just met this guy in the Bahamas. Um, he's a free diver. He has a boat. You'll love him. Uh, you should talk to him. So I said, you know what? I'm the kind of person that says, screw it, I'm in. And then I'm just in. So I made up my mind like, yep, that's the move. I'm going to make the Bahamas work. Called the guy, you know, half the time when I call these masters, they think, uh, they think I'm, you know, out of my mind and, and not real. Like, yeah, sure. You're going to show up and stay a month. No, no, you're not. You know, at, at one for one, they all didn't believe me. Um, so I was like, cool. Yeah. Check, check, check. I'm going to come. Um, looked at some flights and then I put out an ad for, for a videographer, again, notoriously last minute with these things because I don't know if things are going to change. Um, and this one in particular, because it was an underwater sequence, needed someone with a very special skill set. So just on my own socials, I sort of posted, hey, I'm looking for someone who has uh, you know, photographer capabilities, videographer editing capabilities, uh, something that can do like full stack content producing, which is start to finish everything, not just one of those roles. And I found this amazing woman, her name's Sharice, who was in the Maldives doing underwater uh, whale uh, diving uh, as a videographer, photographer, and trip leader. And she's like, I've always been looking to go to the Bahamas. I'm in. So, uh, you know, she flew over, rerouted. She was going from the Maldives through uh, the Middle East back to Hawaii the long way around. So she just rerouted the plane from Dubai or wherever it was uh, to, to Miami. And we, we met there and then uh, hopped on down to the Bahamas. And we met David, uh, David Langlois who's this uh, French Canadian who's been living uh, down in the Bahamas for the last seven years. He used to be a construction worker, had never seen the ocean, kind of got fed up with, with, with the corporate, you know, Canadian, um, I guess, mindset of working and working for someone who doesn't even know your name and just kept in a paycheck. And he said, there's more to life. So he, he fell in love with the ocean, went down there, taught himself how to free dive, 
taught himself how to spearfish, didn't know a thing about it. Um, and now he's one of the, the, the leading guys in that little sector and, and has sort of the Bahamas as his playground. He knows all the shark diving spots, knows all the blue holes, which are, are big open sort of crevasses in the middle of the ocean. Uh, so we just got back off his boat for three weeks, uh, sailing around every day and exploring. What was the actual free diving like? Because for each one of these, you have a, we should mention this, there's a, there's like an end point. There's a challenge. Is that yeah, the best yeah, yeah. way to call it? Like a, a, something you have to do to prove that you can do it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, well, well, actually let me back that up. Why don't we talk about what those were for the okay. other three things? So cool. what was your, your, your goal challenge for surfing? Yeah. So in Costa Rica surfing, I wanted to be able to, uh, effectively get out past the break, which I've never been able to do, uh, catch a wave on my own at an angle and carve down a wave. So if you looked at me, you'd be like, that guy can surf, not like that guy's learning how to surf. Um, so, you know, there, there were two or three days where I successfully did all that. I got the footage. Everyone cheered for me. People were clapping on the beach. Uh, and that was a bit, that was a big tick, uh, tick mark, uh, tick mark. Uh, in Colombia, I always wanted to if I was going to learn how to dance, I needed to be in a show. So I told my salsa instructor, I want to perform in a salsa show. Um, now, keep in mind, I studied with the most premier salsa school in all of Colombia, arguably the world, one of, if not the number one. Uh, they were JLo's dance troupe during the Super Bowl. And so I went there, found their, their uh, second most veteran uh, dancer in the, in the group trained one-on-one -on -one with her at night. We go to like salsa bars and salsa clubs. And at the end of the month, she got permission to have me dance in their show. They do a show pretty much every night. Uh, so I opened the uh, salsa performance at El Mulatu Cabaret in Cali. But I said, look, if I'm going to perform in a show, there's no way I'm not doing the dirty dancing sequence. So the first half of the song was salsa. The second half of the song was the dirty dancing sequence with Pat Swayze and Jennifer Grey. And I ended the segment with a lift above my head and the crowd went nuts. Uh, that was a special moment. Um, down in Brazil, doing capoeira, uh, uh, Salvador Bahia, which is in the north, is is where uh, capoeira pretty much started and, and got its uh, became mainstay in Brazilian culture. I had seen it there about twelve years ago for the first time in the streets. Uh, so I said to myself, I want to fly to Salvador and challenge the the guys in the street, the street capoeiristas, to a battle, uh, to a hola battle, which is like a circle, sort of like dance fight dance fight off in the middle of the streets so we rocked up we had a session from like one of the og original top 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 masters in the world you can't get access to this guy there's like three of them left and then we just walked around the city challenging locals to to dance fight battles in the street i've ripped my shirt off just started doing spinning kicks tried to do a couple backflips tore my lumbar support in the process but you know that's all good um and then in the bahamas um you know truth be told the challenge i, I set was was to dive down a hundred feet and sort of in the back of my head, I wanted to be able to hold my breath for, you know, somewhere around three minutes ish. Um, and I held, I, I never tested my final breath hold or my final depth by the end of the trip uh, where we were the last few days, we couldn't go beyond, a, I think 40 or 50 feet and the breath hold just didn't present itself. But I did get to uh, on, like halfway through the trip, I was at three minutes and 44 seconds on the breath hold um, underwater, which, which I know it sounds extreme, but once you know the process, it's really not all that hard. And anyone really, because that sounds, ins I mean, you know, I think when I was a kid, whenever I taught myself, like, you know, you got to a minute and you were just mm -hmm. the man, like that was really, really difficult, even when I was a swimmer, but 
three minutes and 43 seconds. Yeah. And I, I was pretty good too. You know, you're in trouble. There's five different stages of, uh, I forget what the word is, but when you're effectively going to pass out. So stage one, before you pass out, your nails turn blue. So if your nails aren't turning blue, you're totally fine. The, re- the rest is just mental and overcoming the fear. So at, and even if your nails turn blue, you still have like another whatever, 20, 30, 40 seconds minute. So my nails weren't blue at 343. And I came out and I was like, I could have gone longer. So I'm, I'm, I am confident I can break four, you know, may, maybe 430. Um, some people were doing five, six, seven minutes down there. And then um, you know, the deepest I got was about 45, 50 feet-ish. Um, and that was Honestly, that was the first week I was down there. Uh, and then when I went to test it in Dean's Blue Hole, it's the deepest blue hole, second deepest blue hole in the world, 670 feet down. And it's where you practice like on a line. Uh, but that day, man, like if you're off, if you're stressed a little bit, it's really hard to stay calm and cool and go deep. So I couldn't go deep at all that day. But by the end of the trip, we were down at like 40, 45 feet, just relaxing, having a good time, spear fishing, not panicking at all. So it was easy for me to get to 40. So I could only imagine I could get to around 60 or 80 without too much work. Um, but what's fascinating about freediving is that every 30 feet you go down, bro, check this, there's different atmospheres. So the first 30 feet, it's kind of like being above a like it's normal diving. It's how you feel when you go down. Once you go beyond 30 feet, the density of the water gets lighter. So you start going down faster. Once you get to 60 feet, the gravitational pull inverts and the ocean pulls you down instead of pushing you up. So it literally starts sucking you down to the center of the earth. (laughs) That's scary. Like that's scary, huh? scary man scary. So I was hanging out with people that are going, you know, 150, 200, 250, 300 feet down. Yeah. They'd be like, okay. And then they wouldn't come up for, you know, three minutes. And you're like, where did you go? <laughs> oh man. And, and I guess the, the point, like the, the skill of free diving is used for, for spear fishing. Like, you know, obviously it's a, it's a fun thing to do, but what are the other uses of being able to dive that deep? Is it, is it mostly for spear fishing? You know, I, I would say it's so much more than just spearfishing. First off, some people do it professionally. They have like uh, worldwide tournaments for depth and length and speed and all of that. Um, for the everyday person, it, you know, what's unique about freediving is once you're comfortable with it, again, you can stay on what, how, however long you could hold your breath. It's speculated that you can hold your breath actively underwater for about half that time, meaning I should be able to be underwater swimming for about a minute 30, maybe, maybe two minutes. Um, so imagine that length of time being able to be 30, 40, 50, 60 feet down. You literally, you're in a different world. So you're amongst the fish, you're amongst the sharks, the corals. So normally places that you might go snorkeling or exploring, you're not, not just at the surface. You're now as if you were a sea animal. So we used it certainly for spearfishing, but, you know, for example, let me give you one. This is probably the highlight of, of, of the month for me. Uh, my, my skipper, David, um, took me to, uh, like this passageway and there were a bunch of waves and it's like, get off the boat. I was like, okay, like what, we're going to dive. He's like, yeah, you're going to dive here. But I could tell something was different, right? He didn't drop the anchor. He wasn't getting in the water. So it was me and this one girl, Gabriella. So he pushes us off and I can see the current. I'm like, oh, it's kind of, it's moving fast. And then I look down under the water and I realized that it's like, it's not moving fast. It's ripping, ripping. We're, we're in essentially like a rip current. Um, so it's called, a, it's called a drift dive, D-R-I-F-T, drift dive. And we're like, if you've seen Finding Nemo or, or uh, 
find yeah. when they're in that drift all the way to Australia. That's what it was. So for like five, 10 minutes, we are under the water. Imagine being sucked uh, horizontally or perpendicular to the ocean floor. Sorry, laterally pa- to the ocean floor. Yeah, parallel. To, parallel yeah. But you're able to hold your breath for a minute or two. So you're just like being shot through a cannon. The fish are swimming with you, swimming against you. Like the sea turtles are all around. So you get to experience the ocean and nature in a way you've never seen before. Similar to scuba diving, but different. Because scuba, you still kind of feel like separate. You have this thing on your face and you you feel less natural. When you're down there without any of that, the fish want to play with you. And they're curious. They come up to you and they're like, who the hell are you? And you can like make sounds on rocks. You can throw up sand and they all start circling around you. So it's, it's really special. And I think it opens up a whole new world of possibilities. How are you finding the masters? Because that's another part of this, like the skill, like you doing the skill is one part, but the masters. And as you mentioned, the stories mm-hmm. that these people have, like David, oh, he's a French Canadian who got sick of, of life in Canada and decided to come down and taught himself. Like that's, you're, you're finding really unique people because yeah. you're immersed in a subculture that you had no idea existed, had weren't a part of before. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, there, there's some interesting characters here. How are you deciding who the masters are going to be? And then follow-up question to that, which you can answer as you go, how are you getting, how are you talking them in to, <laughs> to saying, Hey, I'm just this dude coming for a month and I really want to learn this. What's, what's the pitch or, or most of them just like, ah, yeah, this is a cool project. Like I want to be a part of it. Uh, uh, so, so finding the guys, I'm the kind of person that's not a planner, uh, in, in, yeah, we understand that. Four, yeah. four days you wanted to come yeah. to North Carolina between Bahamas. That was a plan for you, right? Oh, I'm going to make a plan with Trav four days. <laughs> in two of the four countries, I just showed up and I didn't, I didn't have anyone lined up. I literally started asking around local, seeing who was available, uh, seeing who would take me and just, you know, uh, like for example, in Brazil, I found a master at first who I tested out, didn't really connect the way I wanted to. So I had the other guy on standby. He ended up being exactly what I was looking for. Um, so I, I'm not, actively searching beforehand and scrubbing the internet for like the best, the best, the best. They're kind of just presenting themselves in a really special way. Part of that I'm sure is due to the few people that are traveling now. So anytime I've rocked up to one of these folks or, or, or made contact uh, in advance, they've been super excited because they haven't had business in so long. Um, so, so their schedules are more open than they might otherwise be. So I think I'm getting a, a, a bit lucky um, you know, again, I do trust in the universe to a large degree. So I think that that's part of it, you know, what, whether you call it good karma. Um, but frankly, I've been growing a global network for the last 15 years, nonstop travel, living on the road. So I have a really robust, uh, you know, human network that I trust. So I definitely ask people for recommendations. They put me in touch with the right people. And uh, so far, so good. I, I think it, it comes down to like, you know, who you know and, and, and what kind of people they are. Yeah, you mentioned the one in Kenya being the 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 one specific one that you really needed to mm-hmm. do some planning ahead of time, right? So yeah. talk us through how that came about because that is one that you couldn't just rock up and say, "Yeah, hey, I want to learn this." And and I think that might be the same with treasure hunting, for example. You know, c- cooking in Italy and and sailing in France, I could. Mm, maybe not sailing in France, but with with Africa. So me and my, uh, my one of my best buddies, we host this. Uh, 
travel conference for high-end luxury properties, uh, like boutique luxury properties in Morocco every year. And one of the women named uh, Robin represents a company called Secluded Africa. And she, uh, her, her and her family have a number of beautiful, like sustainable, eco-friendly uh, lodges all throughout Kenya and other parts of, of Southern Africa. So um, she heard about what I was doing just from the gram. And she's like, Mike, you know, if you, if you want to come to Africa, let me go. No, I go, look, the, the plan was to become a Maasai warrior, one of the ones in like the red robes with the spear. And she goes, well, yeah, you could do that. But she's like, I think I have something that might interest you even more. Uh, and that's when she sort of pitched me on the conservation ranger concept. But our first call, I actually have it filmed. We FaceTime and she goes, Mike, like this is just so you know, it's no joke. Like you're going to be out in the wilderness. These guys are going to put you to the test. Normally it's six months of training. They're going to consolidate that for you into one month. And your final test may very well be being out in the, in the Serengeti by yourself for a weekend, surviving amongst the animals. And you might not come back. She's like, do you really want that? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and your camera person's like, no, <laughs> this is your dream, Mike, not mine. <laughs> yeah, there, there has been a little bit of that. I'm not going to lie. Um, so, yeah, she's lined it all up. She got special permission from the conservation group and, and I think the local government as well. And um, she's going to dial it in for us. Yeah, because when you told me about that, I actually thought, oh, well, that's I, I didn't know what it was. I was like, oh, that's kind of boring. And like that, that's not going to be very hard or very dangerous or anything like that. And you were like, no, actually, this is probably the most dangerous thing that I will do because of animals, but also because of poachers. Mm -hmm. It's essentially special forces training. You're a firefighter, you're a policeman, you're first aid, you're, you're, you're all of it in the wilderness by yourself without any support systems. Have you, have you had any times where you've been given pause a bit, either for these last four or anything coming up where you think, all right, that might be, that might be too far. Like it might be too hard and I might, you know, I, I might just not be able to complete it or it might just push me too far that, that I'm in danger too much. Travis, genuinely that word pause, I probably have never thought about that word in my life. I'm not even making like a funny joke. My, my motto for many years was go, go, go. When you can't go any faster, go when you can't go any further, go faster. I've since changed it a little bit, but uh, no, um, look, I have concerns. I, I reflect and think about things, but I've not, uh, I've not said no to anything because of fear or doubt. If I don't accomplish something, I don't care. Frankly, if you watch any of these episodes or follow me, I'm terrible at all of the things that I start other than salsa. I was pretty good starting that one out, but I'm a complete embarrassment and it's struggle bus USA. And like, there's a lot of doubt and a lot of failing. Um, so if I don't achieve the goal, like in the Bahamas, I didn't get to a hundred feet. Could I, I think so, but I wasn't able to test it out. So that's fine. Um, it, it's, it's part of the growth and part of adding the skills into like the arsenal of, of, of tricks. Um, I would say that from a danger standpoint, yes, Kenya's certainly top of that list. And then um, I guess arguably the treasure hunting aspect, if I go into a conflict zone, which I'm considering in Azerbaijan, which is like the Armenian, um, Azerbaijani, or Azeri forces just had like a little war over there. But anyway, needless to say, it, 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 I think it's more so uh, the places that I'm choosing and the timing. So like India now for COVID, nah, not a good choice. So I, I probably won't go there in the next two or three months, which was on the horizon. I might push that out to next year. So me, for me, it's more than just adjusting the schedule. What has been the hardest 
physically for you where your body because these these four that you've done have all been very physical demanding sports or, or, or let's call them skills um whereas like some of these ones coming up well actually now that i'm thinking about all of them most are very physically demanding but out of these four which have you felt like man my body is not used to this and like i i'm hurting bro excuse me all all of them have been a struggle for different reasons i got injured in in costa rica surfing and I got injured in Brazil. Surfing, I bruised my rib cage and I pushed that for about four or five days until the point where I, I just literally couldn't even touch it because it was, it was too banged up. So I had to pull out the last couple of days of surfing. Luckily, there was a hurricane that came through. Well, not luckily, but <laughs> it did, it, it, I couldn't have surfed anyway. Um, that took, I'd say, a solid two or three months to heal properly. In Brazil, Capoeira, uh, which is a lot like essentially I lived inside push-up position for, for three and a half weeks. My master was just like, push up, push up, side push up, side push up, leg kick, leg kick, bro. I can't kick. I'm a 39 year old man. Like I don't kick things, you know? So imagine doing swinging leg kicks for a couple hours a day out of nowhere. Um, in addition to all the push-ups and the, and the spins and what have you. And on the second to last day, uh, again, speaking of failures, one of my friends challenged me um, who kind of said like, amongst all this, he's like, you can't learn anything in a month. Like, not really. He's like, the only way I'm going to believe that you learn capoeira is if you can do a standing backflip after one month. So in the background, I'm trying to learn a standing backflip amongst all the capoeira lessons. And I got really, really close. And the final day I was doing it, I was on the beach. I went up, spun around, and I, and I just slightly missed the landing and my back compressed. And I pulled my, my lower back muscle, but that was the day before I had the final battle in the streets. So I, and like the whole, like the video we were shooting, the culmination, all of it, we had just flown to Salvador and I was like, I need to do this anyway. So I would warm up, stretch it out. And I had like a minute or two for each fight sequence. Like if you go back and watch the episodes, I'm in excruciating pain swinging the legs around and spinning. But, you know, adrenaline kicks in and you just get it done. So I, I would say that Capoeira, um, that month beat me up physically and like mentally and emotionally. Um, I'm a very resilient person, but doing this sort of project has, has been very testing. More so, I knew the physical stuff would come. Um, more so just cognitively and I guess emotionally would, would be where I didn't see the struggles coming. Um, and it's because of the, it's a combination of all of these things. It's not that physically I can't handle it. It's not that emotionally I can't handle it. It's the constant, um, flow of all of those things interweaving, whereas the body's tired and then, you know, I'm still managing my businesses remotely. I'm forming all these beautiful human connections that are intimate and deep. And then I have to leave. So now I'm like missing my friends from the previous month, making new friends the following month learning a new skill, often in a foreign language where I don't even know the words. I don't, I, I don't know the words in English because these are like new terminologies to me. Uh, like peak inhale, for example, like it's a breathing term in freediving. I didn't know what a peak inhale was. I could kind of guess it. Um, so your, your brain is like listening to every word, watching the interactions, feeling new emotions, trying to get the physical body to respond in the way that you're learning plus all the regular life stuff and all the COVID questions and all the relationship questions. So that's all still there. 
And, and, and again, going back to the point where I took that like five, six week break unexpectedly, that really slowed me down and made me lose some uh, momentum. And I was like, I can't do that again. I just got to keep going. Hence like, hey, bro, I have four days because I'm going to Kenya and I literally won't go home to see the family because if I do a month will go by and I'll hate myself for it. Mm. So that is your plan now going forward is to, is to go back to back to back to back to back until in until you're done or are you going to build a break in there? Look, it's naive to say back to back to back because you are fried by the end of these months. So, so having four or five days or maybe a week between segments, I think is healthy and okay. gives you time to, to evaluate and respond and do journals and like do these cool things. Um, so my intention is to bang out, I'm four months deep right now. My intention is to bang out another, uh, at least two, if not three or four months back to back, like over the summer, head to Europe and Africa. Um, and then I'm in the concert touring industry. I help produce international concert tours and that's all starting to rebound. So my first show is back currently are September, October through February of next year. So I don't know what that looks like. You know, there might be a uh, iteration of this where my industry is come back so strong that I can't be on the road for a month doing month in the making. So I might have, you know, six months off between months mm. and month eight, or I slide them in here and there. Yeah. I get, I mean, you are one of the people in this world that I know that is the truly does like let stuff happen and really goes with the flow. I mean, a lot of people say, yeah, I go with the flow. When I see you, it's like, no, Mike, just really goes with the flow. And, and I mean that as obviously as a compliment because, uh, you know, even having known you before month in the making, I'd be like, Hey, let's try to meet up. You know, you come into Nashville, you got a property in Nashville, you're from New Jersey. So like, we're always trying to meet up and you know, we, I'll just get text. Here's my schedule for the next four months. It's like Australia for three days, back to LA for two days, <laughs> you know, then over to London for four. And I'm like, I love traveling. I think people listening know, know that. I think people listening know that I always want to go, go, go and more, more, more. And it exhausts me just mm -hmm. reading your schedule. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you definitely have a certain skill set and a certain personality that lends itself to saying, hey, I'm not, I, I don't know, maybe I'll ask you like, what tips do you have for not burning out? Because you are constantly with month in the making and even just your regular job, having to acclimatize to a new place all the time, time zones, work, people. It's like, it's a lot is firing for you yeah. at all times. Do you have strategies for that when you're traveling to say like, this is what kind of brings me back and centers me so that no matter what else is happening, I, I feel a bit grounded. Yeah. I mean, look, there, there's a few specific things I do and then a few more uh, ethereal things. Um, I found a lot of um, serenity and calmness in uh, endurance running. So I've gotten into marathons and, and it's like, I think you can sort of reframe the question you asked with like, how do you keep consistency uh, across a life that is nothing but inconsistent? And when you don't have access to the same things over and over, well, what are you left with? And sure, you can be left with things like running. You can be left with things like yoga, um, you know, journaling, not that I do journal. I, I actually do a video journal, but for me, no matter where I am, I'm always getting out and sweating and moving the body. Um, I don't, you know, there's lots of people talking about this stuff online. If you get a good night's rest and if you move the body in the morning and you drink a lot of water, those three things alone give you a good base to build upon, whether it be a, a general happiness, general outlook. Without those, you're kind of screwed. So I used to really run both ends of the candle and, and I would only get three or four hours of sleep. 
And I could, you could do that for a couple of years, but, but as you start getting a bit older, and if you want to make it sustainable, I think this, this life that you and I lead, a lot of people fantasize about, um, but when people finally do it, they realize, oh, that's great, but I can't do that forever. And, and, and I, um, at one point, I did about four or six, I, I've been on the road for about 12, 13, 14 years now, nonstop. And like you said, more, more or less three to five days in a city, no longer. Um, and, and that's not much of an exaggeration, um, other than when COVID hit. Um, so I realized that, okay, if I'm going to make this, you know, sustainable, if you will, or, or make it that it works as a lifestyle, lifestyle design, I need to figure out what that looks like and how many hours of sleep I need to be getting. How often do I need to go home? If I'm dating someone, how often do I need to see that person? So I've learned from myself what I need to feel I never feel balanced. And part of the mantra of this thing is like, stop trying to feel balanced because you're never going to be balanced. Things are always shifting. Change is always inevitable. Just do your best and stop stressing about it. I constantly have to tell myself that like, Mike, you're never going to figure it out. And that's okay. If I just accept, I'm never going to figure it out and just do your best. It takes the pressure off, right? Um, so constantly touching ba- uh, base with the people I love um, now with, with FaceTime and all that, but, but visiting them and making them a priority. Uh, Cause I think once you let your value slip and your integrity, that's where you start feeling a bit like a jerk. Um, so tapping back into those things that matter, um, finding your, your purpose and, and um, the things that make it more um, it's for me, it's not about travel and vacation. Like I, I don't, ever vacation. There's always now when I go, there's a reason and a purpose and an objective. So I like objective-based travel, um, objective-based missions, hence month in the making. I'm learning a skill. I'm not just sitting on a boat sailing around, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think that for you that that works, right? Because you're saying, hey, even if I'm going here for a couple of days, like the reason you're going to come to North Carolina, yeah, you wanted to see me, but it was like, we were going to go look at a building together. There's an objective like, hey, let's go walk through this because there's potential to do something here. Yeah. Um, for you with these skills that you're building up, how okay, do you plan on keeping these skills up? And if so, and maybe not all of them, right? So like, are there some that you're like, I'm definitely like, I could see myself doing this forever, but this one was one that was like, I just wanted to learn it and I'll bust it out every couple of years, but, but I, I don't, I don't plan on, on really yeah. continuing it. And if you do plan on continuing it, how, because we've just talked about how jam packed your life was, right? So it's like, now you got 12 new skills to throw in. When are you making time for them? A lot of these things, I think, are, are you don't have to specifically do the skill. They just present themselves in unique ways. For example, free diving. When I skipper or sail, I can use that to go pull an anchor up or go retrieve a pair of sunglasses that fell in the water. Capoeira, as a workout, you can kind of do wherever. Salsa dancing, I dare you to dance off with me at a wedding. I will crush you now as long as you're not actually a native salsa dancer. <laughs> and, and surfing, you know, you can do surfing in quite a number of places. So I think many of these skills are transferable. And one thing that I found unique is kind of ask myself, like, how good can I get in the month? Will I be good enough to continue it after the fact? And what I would say, at least for me, and, and I, maybe this is for learning a skill in general, I feel like you do need about three weeks to a month to learn something. And then you understand the fundamentals where you could do it again in the future. And, and this is sort of like the chapters of learning that I've, that I've come to realize. Like in week one, you don't, 
beyond the skill, there's the language and the lifestyle and the understanding of what it's about. So like, for example, surfing, what's a longboard? What's a shortboard? When do you go out in the waves? What's wind patterns? What's current? Like if you don't know that these basic concepts, you can never surf. And then you get like, okay, well now how do you actually surf? How do you paddle out? What's the best way to duck dive? Um, how do you jump up on a board? And then by week three, week four, then you can actually do the thing. So if you don't have part one and part two, you can never do part three. And part three is sort of where I end my month and I can do the scale and feel good about it. But one and two never go away because those are more internal and knowledge-based and experience-based where you can feel part of a subculture. And, and my hypothesis, and again, I'm still growing with all of this, is a lot of the times we don't do things because of the uncomfortability or the uh, fear of what others will think, right? So especially in learning a new skill, like I don't want to go to a salsa club. I don't know how to salsa dance. I don't want to go to a gymnastics club. I don't know how to do gymnastics. But if you can speak their language and you understand where they're coming from and, and, and what they're doing, even if you can't do it, you still feel part of that group. So now I can hang out with surfers and talk their language and go with them to the beach and be the worst surfer there, but I can still be amongst them without feeling self-conscious. Like I don't speak your language, bro. Now I can speak the language of these four different skills. Like I can go into a capoeira circle and I know that you hold hands like this when you start and then you do a cartwheel and you look the other person in the eye and it's all just a big game. Three months ago, I would have had no idea what to do. I would have just stand on the outside and taken photos of the tourists. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a really great point that you essentially move past your imposter syndrome enough to mm -hmm. get to a level where you're like, yeah, okay, of course I'm going to be way worse than these people because they do it every day or this is their life, right? Yeah. But I don't feel like a total schmuck because I at least understand everything behind it. And I can, I don't even want to say fake it, enough because you're not faking it. You can do enough of it that like, I, and I feel that way with surfing, you know, we have a, a mutual love for that. It's like, yeah, if I go out and there's awesome dudes ripping up waves here and, and, and doing aerials and all, of course I'm way worse than them. But yeah. like I went out this morning and the, these guys were killing it. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be the guy riding down the wave and trying to get across the face a little bit and riding it for a few seconds. But I didn't really feel self-conscious because they're I can do something. I, mm -hmm. you know, I understand what they're doing and why they're better. Not just, oh my gosh, I'm like splashing around and, mm -hmm. and I'm like falling off the board. And I think that's once you get past that, that level, right. Of, of for any skill of just, oh my gosh, I'm a total newbie and I have no idea what's happening. And I never heard anyone say it like you did, but it's basically the knowledge. Mm -hmm. Once you get past that, you're not going to lose the skill totally. It might be rusty. You and I go out surfing today. I might be better because I did it yesterday and you haven't done it for a couple months, but you'll, you'll pick it back up. And yeah. I, I'm, I'll ask you if you think this is true, but it seems like the answer is yes. If that most of these skills that you're learning are like the skill of riding a bike where, yeah, it feels weird. Maybe the second you get on, if you haven't done it, but it starts to come back pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that. I don't think as simple as, as riding a bike. Cause I don't sure. know. Be like, balance and you go straight and there's no external forces like the ocean or right. <laughs> oxygen, but to a degree, yes. Whereas with, 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 but when you hop on a bike, you don't think about it. When I do these other things, when I haven't done them in a while, I still think about them and I'm like, okay, where do I move my feet for salsa? But then you realize 
if you just stop thinking about it and you just stay comfortable with any of these things, if you stay relaxed and comfortable, you do a way better job. Which of these do you envision seeking out? Because you said, you know, you can, you could salsa wherever surfing, you know, you can't do wherever, but, but there's a lot of places you can do. Are there any of these that you've done already that you think, okay, like I am now, this is a big enough part of my life and I enjoyed it enough that I'm going to seek out travel where I can surf or, or any of that. Bro, so far, all of the above, like I yeah. will be surfing. I'll, I'll forever be free diving. Um, I, I, if I had a home, I would love to do more and more capoeira classes. Um, you know, salsa, like, again, I'm playing Latin music all the time now, dancing with whoever will dance with me. So I think the ones I've learned so far, absolutely. The, the ones that are coming up, like Conservation Ranger, no. <laughs> um, treasure Hunter, no. <laughs> Cooking, absolutely. Sailing, absolutely. So some are more practical for sure. Um, I'd probably say about 70 or 80% of them I'll continue to use in my life. Are there any that you want to do that you're not going to do? Like any that were on that original list of, yeah. hey man, here, here's, what are those? Yeah, so there was probably about 16 on the original list and, and four kept jumping in and out. So the Gaucho Cowboy one may have to get scrapped. Um, there, there, there was something for me about like, I, I love ancient religions and ancient cultures and um, studying with like medicine men. And like, I'm not someone who messes with any sort of, uh, of drugs or, or, or uh, you know, plant-based medicines, what people call it. But I would love to get an understanding of where their history comes from and why they think the way they do. So like learning from a shaman or learning from like an ancient Chinese medicine man and just hearing about those practices and maybe like blending some herbs and um, you know, that kind of interests me, but it's, it's not something that's more uh, exciting to me than, than some of the, the more active ones. Um, and then, yeah, the, the rock climbing, it's probably not going to be on the list the, the paragliding and skydiving and base jumping may not make it. And then becoming a pilot, I don't think is going to be on the top 12. But th they were all on the short list. You also, I remember us talking something about doing something with music, but that might not oh, make yeah. it on as well. Hey? That was on the list. I think, uh, you know, that's that's a TBC. Yeah. Well, I think, and, and you also have to kind of run this line between what's going to video well as, as well. Because if, I mean, we haven't even explicitly told people this, like what you're doing is you're filming all this. It's coming mm -hmm. out on, on your YouTube. It's coming out on your Instagram. And I think the main goal is to maybe potentially turn this into a TV show at some point. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, look, the, the purpose of this was just for me to live my dream. And, and, um, I, I never particularly wanted to, um, I always wanted to capture the content, but not because I like other people need to see this it, in building the story and running through it. I'm like, it would be a shame not to show this and, and have other people tune in to, to reflect and if nothing else, be entertained, especially during COVID. Um, so I am doing it very much for, for personal reasons. Um, so yes, we're telling it on YouTube, Instagram. It, it, it is being um, packaged and shopped as a show concept idea, whether that's me as a travel host or month in the making as a, as a concept that other people can do internationally. It has nothing to do with me uh, because I think the skill-based learning field is new and sexy and interesting. And, you know, one thing that I saw during COVID is all these people trying to do new things and trying to step outside of their comfort zones and people finding real uh, happiness 
in in education um, and and you know putting themselves out there. So I think we'll see more of that. Um, what's cool for me is again launching this with with no expectations where it will end up. And I'm sure if you ask me in a year, it will be very different. But the intention is to write a book. It is to have a keynote speech about the whole process and how I grew as a man. Uh, but we're also in uh, building out a platform. Uh, called Month in the Making, where other people can find, discover, and book their own learning adventures, two-week-long or month-long. So if you're like, yeah, Mike, I would love to learn sailing, but I don't really know where to do that. Well, there'll be a list of two or three or four masters around the world, and you can book right there and do your own thing. Yeah, so awesome. And I think that that speaks to who you are. It's like you don't you're doing it for personal reasons because it it is a mission and, and a goal for you, right? An objective-based mission, as you said, yeah. that um, that you've had since you were a kid but you also don't want it to just be about you, right? Because like you said, and, and like I'll echo, the skill bit, I mean, seeing people in COVID start to bake sourdough bread, right? Like that was the thing. And then it moved to something else. I forget. After that, I kind of lost focus, but it was, it was like people were just getting momentum for trying different skills because they had time and they and they wanted to do something that was unique that maybe they were go, go, going too much to, to be able to do. And uh, I'm with you, like even just going down to Costa Rica and saying, I want to learn to surf and spending three months there and now being able to go out and surf mm -hmm. is an awesome feeling as a 38 year old adult yeah. to be able to say, I just took something that I had never done and no clue how to do. And now I can actually do it. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of power in that, right? Mm -hmm. Because we get stuck in our own zone and we think skills are only like on the computer mm -hmm. and for work-based purposes. And there's so much more than that. And and to, to reflect that even further, I, and, and first off, I love that you went for three months and learned how to surf. I, I did surf with, with Trav in, uh, in Costa Rica for a day or two, and he was, he was better than me for the record if we're comparing. But I was, well, okay. I, I was, I, all right. <laughs> we'll compare, but I was in my home wave on a board I knew. You just went and got a random board. The waves completely changed when you came out. They say in Argentina, fuma, meaning bad luck. Mike came out. We had the best day we had had. Mike, I'm like, go get a board, dude. You're only here for two days. He goes and gets a board. We come out. It's the choppiest, worst waves. Like it turned in an instant. So we can't compare. We can't compare. Um, what was I saying here? Um, we were talking about the fact that that you said to take it even further. We were talking about uh, basically adult-based skills and oh, learning as an adult. So, so you know, when we were kids, right? And this is, I'm learning so much about uh, the way I used to think and what I think what's lacking in in some of our first world societies. But if you think back to being a kid, you'd be excited to be an adult because you had freedom to do whatever you wanted, and you fantasized about these dreams, whatever it was, you know, astronaut, firefighter, etc. And then at some point you lose that and you go, I just need to make money. I need to support my family. But why do we lose that? Those were beautiful moments filled with magic and energy and excitement. And, and my word recently has been excitement. Whatever gets me excited, I do responsibly, right? But whether that be a relationship or a project or a business idea or buying real estate with you, if we're going to do that. So when we were kids, I feel like we were excited. And when we're adults, the excitement goes away. So, so I found excitement in learning a new skill and that awkward nervousness, that anxiousness. And when you lean into it, you learn a lot about yourself. And there's a lot of life sort of comes back, that magic comes back. And you realize, you know, you still have it in you. All that like Peter Pan type stuff is still very much there. Um, if you're just willing to, to take the next step and take the next step and People beat themselves up about like thinking, 
you know, can I learn how to surf? Well, who cares? You know, just take the first step. Just start saying yes. And that's where the magic is anyway. We all, we all know the saying, you know, it's not the end destination, it's the journey. And it's 100% true. 100%. You know, what I've found that it allows me to do too is be proud. Like I'm able to be proud of myself. I went out today and the waves were pretty big. And I, you know, I saw these guys catching awesome waves. I'm like, ah, is this, is this too big for me? Is it too choppy? I went out and, uh, you know, I haven't even told Heather this. I caught the first wave and like wrote it pretty well. And I just started yelling at the end. I was like, yeah, you know, and like, no one's really, no one's out. No one's paying attention to me. They're all over there doing their own thing. But I was just so proud. I'm like, dude, you got out here and you could yeah. do this. And there was no way you could have done that two months ago. Like you wouldn't have been successful at it. And so how often in our life are we pushing ourselves enough to really truly be proud of the progress we've made, even if that progress is way lower than someone who's been doing it forever? It's okay because you're only comparing yourself uh, comparing yourself to what you were a couple months ago, not to where someone else is now. And so I, I've really enjoyed that and especially having the physical element to it. I think there's something to be said for being proud when you do mental things and, mm -hmm. and, and work-based things and stuff like that. But the physical element, as you've seen with Month in the Making, all four of yours have been pushing your body and your mind and your and emotions mm -hmm. all in one versus just kind of going down one, one stream. And what's cool about doing it as an adult, right, is, is Travis, you don't need to be a professional. You don't need to be the best. Right. So when you're a kid, you're like, am I going to be the, the am I going to make it pro? Am I going to get to college? Now that stuff doesn't matter. It's like, sure, all I need to be able to do is dive down 30 or 40 feet so I can do a bit of spearfishing and hang out with the coral. I don't need to go 100 feet to surf and enjoy it. I just need to be able to catch a wave at like five or six foot high waves and I'm good. So a lot of that pressure can actually go away and you can just enjoy the process and, and be present. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better, man. I want to let you go by asking you the question of which one of these projects that are coming up in, in the next, well, we don't know how many months, but you've got eight projects, eight months left. So overwhelming that when you I say know, <laughs> I, I, I know you're like, I'm a, I'm a third of the way through. Oh my God. <laughs> um, can you rank them for me? And and I know it's going to be hard and you can, I will allow you to cop out because you're a good friend if you don't want to, but I want you to just rank them on ones that you're, I'd say most intrigued by. Like if I had to start saying, Mike, you can't do this one. You'd be like, you'd be bummed, but you'd be like, okay. And oh, which yeah. would be at the very top of like, dude, don't take this away okay. from me. For, for sure, nomadic, um, nomadic eagle hunter in Mongolia. Like don't take that away from me. Come on. Okay. That, that's the dream. That's the absolute dream. Um, from there. Yeah. Either, either conservation ranger or, or uh, samurai. I was going to say samurai has got to be high. Cause that's just cool. Like that's every kid's dream, right? I'd say those are, those are probably the top three. You could take away cooking and sailing. I wouldn't bother you about that. You could take away, you know, paragliding or rock climbing. If I'm going to do those, um, you could take away the, the monk stuff and I, and you know, I wouldn't fight you about that. Okay. All right. So we got, don't take your nomadic I mean, eagle hunting away. Don't do that, but get this idea. So someone was like talking about compounding skills, right? Like, will I continue using them? I hadn't even thought of this, but like how ridiculous. Cause you know, again, I can sail and one day I will own a sailboat likely and do, do quite a bit of, uh, you know, cross Atlantic stuff. Um, what if I had an eagle? 
on the boat and I fished, free dove, you know, line caught, spearfished with an eagle that I could send off, do the scouting of the local fish schools. That's where I park the boat, dive down, catch the food, cut it up, cook it. Like that's four skills right there. There's you know? four skills. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe somehow you bring samurai in with like filleting the fish. I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's something there. Tell you what, though, um, I've never seen anyone travel the world on a on a boat with an eagle. I've seen a lot of dogs, but I might be the only one with an eagle. There you go, keeping it unique. Well, man, thank you so much for joining me. I I'm gonna tell people we're gonna I'm gonna throw it out there so we make sure we do it again when, whenever I can catch up with you because we I didn't want to bring it up in this episode because we had too much good stuff with month in the making and it's a separate topic. But Mike has actually bought property in Portugal, figured out the golden visa in Portugal, has has bought property internationally, and you're even helping other people kind of go down that road in Portugal specifically um, because that's where you did it. So I'm going to get you to, to give me an answer now. Will you come back on and do an episode specifically on international real estate and then specifically on Portugal and the golden visa? There is nothing more I like talking about than international real estate and hustling the passport systems in life. Arguably, I enjoy it more than talking international adventure travel. They're probably tit for tat. So 100%, I'll be back on to talk about that. Awesome. In the meantime, where should people go to find all the stuff that you're doing to follow along with the month of making? And I will just tell people straight up, the videos are awesome. Like yeah. I have, I have had the good fortune of getting to follow your journey, Mike. I mean, we did get to hang out in person in between these, but it's been awesome to watch you do this and live vicariously through you. As you mentioned, especially during COVID too, um, when, when there's a lot of people yearning to travel, and not being able to. So how do they go find all the stuff that you're doing? I mean, pretty much all my handles are my last name, Savas, S-A-V-A-S, on the go. Savas on the go, Instagram, YouTube. Um, that's my website as well. And uh, one thing I do want to mention, Travis, because your group will love it. Every month that I do a month in the making, I give away 25,000 airline miles so someone else can go lead their trip, uh, like their trip of their life. So I am actually a bit behind. I need to do the Bahamas one like the, tomorrow or the next day. So maybe we may, maybe we actually do it with your, your network and give away 25K for someone to, to live a little dream. All right, let's do that. How, <laughs> how can people enter like that? Because it's going to be an ongoing thing every time you do a month. So Every month, there's a different mechanism. I've only done one so far, so we'll figure it out. But we should do one just for, just for your community maybe and give someone 25K to go on a trip somewhere. All right. Sounds good, guys. If you're listening to the podcast and you want to know how, make sure you sign up for the email list because that's how we'll be telling people and we'll be telling people on, on social. So at Extra Pack of Peanuts on Instagram, obviously go to extrapackofpeanuts.com. If you're not on the email list, sign up because we'll get you the info on that. And then of course, follow Mike too at Savas on the go, um, whether that be YouTube, Instagram, the website, Check it out, man. I am so excited for this conservation ranger thing. I just want to see you out there living in the wild, you know, and I'm like, oh, there goes the giraffe walking behind Mike. Um, so, man, good luck. If we don't get to talk before you go out there, be safe. And uh, really looking forward to getting to watch that. Thanks, brother. It's been a pleasure. And if anyone pings me, I, I respond quite quickly. I love supporting other people and following their dreams. So I'm here to help. Awesome. Thanks, Mike, for joining me, guys. Also, don't forget, we'll link everything in the show notes, extrapackofpeanuts.com slash shows. But Savas, S-A-V-A-S, on the go, super easy. You can go to his website. Definitely follow along on Instagram and YouTube. And thank you guys for listening and the support, as always, that makes us a top-rated travel podcast. Until next time, everyone, happy free travels. 
I'll see you again 